specific lens with a very specific theology about who Jesus is, what Jesus is, what the divinity of Jesus looks like. And it all, just from that standpoint, I, I said it before we started recording, this game, it would make me actively not want to be a Christian if I were not one, right? And as one, it makes me just want to go, this is a terrible idea. Welcome to the Level 2 Podcast. Welcome everyone to the Level 2 Podcast. Level 2 Podcast is a monthly podcast airing on the Checkpoint Church Podcast Hub, where we feature two or three of our Level 2 members from the community. Level 2 members are folks from within the Checkpoint Church community that have stepped up to the plate of serving Checkpoint rather than just being served by Checkpoint. Each episode, we're going to tackle a central question that will shape our conversation. Today's topic is why the Bible makes for a bad game. Now, obviously, that's a pretty subjective take already, but I'm interested to see where we where we land on it, and if by the end of the show we still feel like that is a declarative statement that we're comfy with, but we'll we'll figure it out. And I would encourage those that are listening to also work that through for themselves. See if you agree or disagree with our thoughts and takes on it. Um, and with that, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our level two members before we start the topic off with 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 too much fervor. So today we have with us Sneaky Pigs and Stained Glass, and I'll let them decide how much they want to share about themselves as far as real names, where they are physically, where they are digitally, and then answering the question, what is the worst game you've ever played? So I will start today with, uh, with Stained. Yeah, I'm Stained Glass, a real name, Shane. I am a pastor in the East Ohio Conference working toward planting a digital church. going to happen this July, so that's exciting. But yeah. Yeah, it's going to be great. Worst game ever? Oh my gosh. This was an easy one. It was the first one that came to mind when I was a kid. Faxanadu for the NES. It is is so like, I mean, maybe now as an adult, I'd understand how to play it and work it, but it was so non, you know, counterintuitive that mm. it was just unplayable. I never even got past like the first part of the first level. My name is Sneaky. I also go by Mike. I am on the West Coast as compared to everybody else. And let's see, the worst game I ever played. I had a few choices and because a few games stuck out, including ones that apparently I've forgotten because I literally could not remember the names of them, but I remember certain parts of the game being really bad. So I would say probably the worst one and I've ever played, and that this is going way back to show my age here, was E.T. on the Atari. The awesome. most unplayable game on the planet. I'm pretty sure there is somewhere a landfill full of ET cartridges, but I actually do remember playing that game as a kid and trying it over and over and over again until I picked it up and chucked it across the room because <laughs> just couldn't do it. They actually Love did it. find that landfill, didn't they? <laughs> they did sure actually. That happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they did. That's definitely like the, the iconic pick of the worst game. Yeah. So yeah, if you're hearing this, let us know down below what your worst game that you ever played is. If you're watching this on Twitch, then let us know in the chat what you think is your worst game. I am Nerd Pastor Nate. I'm the pastor of Checkpoint, and uh, I'm on the East Coast here in North Carolina. And I had to I had to go back and forth between like there are so many games that I've played, and I have a lot of nostalgia factor for a lot of the games that I played as a kid. So I was just like, what what is the most recent worst game that I've played? And it would have to be Dragon Ball The Breakers. It was such a bad game. I had such high hopes because I love Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. I love the games, and I've never really enjoyed Dead by Daylight because I've been too scared to play it. And so I was like, this is going to work out great. I'm like going to get to play a game genre that I'm fascinated by. And also it's going to be one of my favorite like franchises of all time. And then it just turned out to be a real bad broken mess. And I did not enjoy it even a little bit. So yeah, that was definitely my most recent worst game. And of course, the reason for this question is that typically 
Bible-based video games are notoriously known as pretty rough experiences. Whether it be literally and like the storytelling, they're just, they're, they're not good stories or whether it be ludologically, they don't play very well or they're known for being kind of broken or janky. They tend to get a pretty bad rap. And so that enters into our actual topic for this show is why is it that the Bible seems to make for such an awful video game? For something that is known as the greatest story ever told, which is really a library of stories, but it's still something that is so well known and beloved by so many, you know, even those inside and outside of Christianity typically at least have some kind of interest in the Bible as a, as a piece of literature. But why is it that this thing is so awful. What's happening that's making people receive it so poorly? Is it that it can't be translated to a video game? Is it that it simply shouldn't? Or is it that we haven't found the right path there? And so in order to kind of explore that topic with one another right now, I wanted us to maybe wax a little bit and reflect on the past of Bible video games. So if you have a personal experience with a Bible video game, then let's let's talk about where we've where we've been. What are some examples of failed games? Or maybe you've played one that you really enjoyed. I doubt that, but maybe. Hey, I'm keeping the air open. So, what do you guys think? What what are some of the the failed games of the past, and did you experience them directly? I don't remember. I couldn't. I was trying to think if like growing up or I had played anything specifically Bible based, and I don't remember doing that. I, I recently played part of a game that was terrible, but but like. In the past, I haven't, I haven't, I don't remember experiencing any of any of it like that. How about you, Mike? I don't, I don't either. I don't remember playing the the only one that stood out to me that maybe I would have touched at some point would be like Bible Adventures that was out on the NES. Probably a family member gave it to me or something. But no, I, my my earliest memory of looking at Bible stuff is always looking at things that like was getting put out and a couple things like stand out was something like, you know, dance praise that was put out as a, as a, as a DDR Christian style DDR game or the Christian version of guitar hero. And, and, and that always struck me as always. Oh Oh, yes. Oh yes. And people, I mean, people didn't hate them. They were, they were like memed and cringy, (laughs) but they were at least like, they were experiences. Like they were games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's mostly what I remember from like early on is always a lot of things that were super popular and especially like in video game land like early or I say late 1990s early 2000s ish always seemed to be copied by some Christian company but as, as a way to be like oh don't play this this is bad like come play our Christian version and they were never that good. My my game that I remember distinctly. So I, I my dad is a pastor, and I grew up going to the daycare, and uh, like I, I remember going to daycare after school. I remember like growing up in that environment. I would get there, a school bus would drop me off, and I would hang out until my dad got off work at like five thirty, whatever it would be. And so I clocked a lot of hours at the daycare and the after school care. And one of the things that I remember distinctly loving was that they had a old like. I don't actually remember what computer it was, but it was an old school computer that had just ancient archaic games. I mean, this would have been, I would have been in, I don't know, let's say fourth grade. This would have been like 2003, 2004. And this, the game that I remember distinctly was from 1994. So we were playing 10 or 11 year old games on this computer. So this was definitely like something that was either a hand-me-down from someone in the church or whatever the situation may have been. But the game that I remember, I always thought was a Bible man game. But I, I started researching and trying to find it, and it is Captain Bible in Dome of Darkness. 
And I, whenever I tell you, like I got, I got chills down my spine. I got that visceral like feeling of, of memory whenever I looked up this game, because the images are so in there. There's one particular image where there was like a shopkeeper who had like a lambskin over his head and he was there to like steer you in the right direction. And he acted like this positive guide figure. And then of course, right. He's wearing lambskin. So at some point in the game, you learned that it is the wolf in sheep's clothing. And his face, for some reason in my mind, I remember it like distorting and turning into a wolf and terrifying me. And just being this moment of like, oh my gosh, like this is the bad guy all along. And I've been thinking of him as a good guy. And so I just wanna, I wanna read the description on Wiki of Captain Bible in the Dome of Darkness, okay. just so you guys will get an idea of what we're talking about here. So this game centers on a city of humans, which was one day encased by a Dome of Darkness, hence the title, perpetrated by robot ciphers who have trapped the citizens in lies, which reign from various cre Christian topics, such as God, creation, morality, forgiveness, so on and so forth. While the organization known as Bible Corps has managed to make a hole in the dome big enough for Captain Bible to go through, they've not been able to accomplish much more. So you are Captain Bible. You've literally been beamed into this city of lies, and you're getting to, one by one, use the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith to pierce through those lies and teach them the truth. And it was, I mean, it was a straight up ARPG. Like, it was like a Doom style going through hallways, experiencing this adventure. And I remember it. It's like the one that I remember distinctly. I don't know if it was any good. I, I think that it was I'm like notoriously one of the worst games ever but i would love to go. go back and play it and experience it again just for the experience of being like oh like this this is a nightmare <laughs> like what is this game but yeah have either of you ever heard of that game because i feel like i'm in a i'm in a weird bubble there i'm in the dome of darkness no but i got now i gotta go find it there's gotta yeah. be like a, an emulator for it or something yeah. listen you really don't need to ask the question on whether it was a good game or not it had the words captain bible in the title like that passed through like quality assurance as like a good name so yeah, it says it was by by bridgestone which i don't know that company and it's a dos game so i'm super curious oh. about going back and seeing if i can find some old like rip of it um, that needs to be on the next stream for real I i'll do it bonus i mean it's bonus stream, the bonus stream right bible there. game bonus stream I already found an image of the guy with the lambskin and it is just as creepy as I thought it was going to be. Oh, <laughs> and it says oh, in the man. bottom, he's a false Christ. This is crazy. What a like, wild game. What a wild that, experience. It, all of that made me cringe. Every but bit yeah, of so it. Now, now I'm super curious about like the history of games and why these existed and where these came from and, and how they've continued to evolve. So like, like Sneaky mentioned just a bit ago, there have been this like iteration of like, copying and kind of creating shovelware of other successful brands. So like coming up with a way to make a Guitar Hero but Christian or a Just Dance but Christian. And there was actually one that I, I so I looked up just out of curiosity, the best Christian video games. And this may be an ironic list, I'm not sure. But the one that they listed as the top was actually called the Bible Game which was a 2004, 2005 entry that was essentially a party game. So it was kind of like Mario Party, or it would have been like Jackbox as is today. But it was this mini game filled game with, I guess, Bible themes. I've never played that one either, but that is supposedly the best one. So maybe the mini games are like actually somewhat decent. I'm not sure, but that's, that's, that's where we've gone. In order to keep this positive, Rather than just focusing on the bad, let's let's address really quickly what would it take to make a Bible game good? So what would need to happen for a Bible experience through a game to be good? I think personally, 
and, and we'll we'll get to this later when we talk about our like games that are about the Bible but aren't about the Bible. You know, mm-hmm. I, I truly think the only real way to make a Bible game good is to explore the themes within the Bible in mm-hmm. non-literal biblical terms. So like trying to recreate the stories within them in like like so like the game I am Jesus Christ does this is that's what they're attempting to do. And I'm not sure how the end result's going to be, but it's, it's, it's playing as Jesus. <laughs> oh my. Anyway, let me focus. Telling, telling the, telling the themes of the Bible rather than telling the stories themselves, I think is the only way in my opinion to make it really worth anything. Because when you take those stories and you literalize them in a in a form like a game or a movie or anything like that you are solidifying an interpretive lens through which to see it rather than exploring the theme itself which is usually more important than the actual details of what's going on look at noah the movie noah right there were so much so many problems that people had with it well certain christians had with it because it wasn't like literal to the text i'm like yeah but that story would suck if you told it literally, it would have, you know, so I think just exploring the themes rather than the stories themselves. I don't know that you can tell those stories without dramatically altering them to make them entertaining. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it's funny you said that because that was my first note that I wrote down. Was, there's there's no way you can take it directly out of the Bible. In an odd way, it almost feels borderline sacrilegious. Like you're mm-hmm. taking the story and you're gamifying it. And, and so I put the exact same thing right underneath that where I said, I think it needs to be theme-based. I think anything that you take using the Bible, using scriptural themes as a basis for a game is perfectly fine. And I think should be done. Right. And, and we see this using, you know, movies, TV shows, books, you name it. There's always wonderful themes and wonderful stories that use biblical truths to get things across without using the direct story of the Bible. But I did try to think, okay, if there was a Bible-based game, you know, what, what, what would it need to look like? And so I, I, there's, there's a, there's a current game that's being developed and it was showed as a demo at LTN con and it's called Bible X. And the idea behind it is that it, it, you're in the future and it essentially kind of has this almost like Assassin's Creed basis mm. to it in the theory of this, but basically you're in the future. Christianity is, is being targeted by the government. It's, it's seen as heretical. It's seen as all these things and it's in danger of extinction. And so the idea is to go back in time and find out like, well, what exactly did Jesus teach and what exactly happened during this time period? And so you go back in time through a time machine. And the idea behind it is that you go through, you discover things. And so, and and I know one of our level two members, trombone, uh, she demoed it and I got to watch her. But one of, like, one of the interesting parts of it is it's not just a single player game. You can actually do it with multiple people. And so the idea that like you can sign in, like one person can play the game, another person can sign in on their cell phone. And there are certain mini games within this world that you can play together. And so I know there was one where like trombone was trying to weave through a bunch of tables to get to a certain point. And I had and I was on my phone and I was the one moving the tables as as they were going through it so it's got that uniqueness we're like okay this is kind of cool but the thing that struck me about the game and the gameplay was it's literally just monotonous 
like the world actually looked really good. I mean, for what they, I think they were trying to achieve to to show the time period was actually pretty cool. But you're doing things like exactly like you would back then, like go mm. find a sheep and go do this. And <laughs> like all these <laughs> mundane everyday things. And and then along the way, you would meet Bible figures and and do these different things. And it's, it's an interesting take on it. And, and I thought, you know, I almost feel like you you have to almost, if you're going to do something like that, that's what it's going to kind of be. It's got to be like, you can't be a central, you cannot play a character in the Bible. As you're talking, I was just thinking like a Bible MMO would be fun. And that's exactly where I went. I was like, if, if I yeah. was going to do this, it'd have to be like an MMORPG, like Mortal Warcraft in some way. Yeah. Right. I mean, other than just because and just because I want to see a quest of, you know, collecting a thousand Philistine foreskins, but, you know, <laughs> like or like being Samson and like, you know, slaughtering people with a donkey. But, you know, I mean, there's, you know, or, you know, be like Elisha and just call out a bear to maul some children. You know, there's some great wow. elements within, you know, tug it cheeker, but like there's some great elements and great stories that could be woven into a game. But like in the end. And an ironic thought that I had was like, I almost feel like a game because of today's proclivity towards action and violence. Like you almost can't do anything other than the old Testament. Hmm. Like you or start revelation. Moving. Yeah. <laughs> that, right. So like, I mean, then you get to this weird thing of like, well, what could you do with the game out of the new Testament? Now, I know like Bible X, I think is, is very much focused on a lot of what's going on in the new Testament and meeting Jesus and, and doing all that. But yeah, it, it was really interesting to think like, okay, if it was going to be a game, it almost have to focus, you know, on the old Testament more than the new Testament overall. But yeah, that was the only thing I came up with like positive, like it have to be some type of MMO in order to make it. And you would definitely have to craft this world where you are more of an outsider perspective of what's happening in the Bible and learning the Bible as you progress through the story in a way. Um, I think what, what it comes down to, to me, that's so difficult, is, and you both highlighted this in your points, is addressing like, why does this exist? Like, what's the purpose behind this game? What are we trying to get across? Like, we're trying to get across an enjoyable experience. Are we trying to get across like education? Are we trying to make an argument? And then you get into the area of like, everything has its own lens, like Shane was mentioning, like where, where do you draw the line of what do we actually want this story to be? How do we want people to experience this story and for it to do? Like we've talked about, and this was in our last episode with, with Sneaky also in the show, we all have different motivations for why we play games. My particular um, thing that I love more than anything is narrative. And I, I know the Bible, <laughs> I know the stories. And so there's not going to be any twists and turns that are going to drop my jaw to the floor from the Bible. I know them. I've experienced them. I've read them. I've exegeted many of them. And none of them are going to be too, too exciting for me. And I would I would feel the same way about other pieces of literature. I think that's why I have no interest in a Dune game. There are a lot of Dune games out there and they turn into management sims. But if they ever tried to make a narrative Dune game, I don't care. I know the story of Dune. I, I know that story. But again, back to the argument that Sneaky just made, an MMO Dune game? Now that sounds more interesting. Living in the world that is in this in this existence, that could be an interesting way of taking it. One of my hallmark pieces of art, and this isn't a video game, that I think explored the Bible really well is a comic from Boom Comics, Judas. And oh, that yeah. was like the, that was the one thing for me that I was like, here's an example of how you can take a story that is not biblical, is not true to the Bible, but is a playful and respectful, I think, personally, a respectful imagination of what happens 
to Judas and in the in the Apostles' Creed where it says that Jesus descended into hell. How did that work? <laughs> you know, if we imagine that Judas died by suicide, went to hell, and Jesus descended into hell, surely they met. And so, like, what happened there? And this is a playful reimagining of what could have happened there. Of course, the, the scriptures are not explicit. We don't know. Really, that's more of a creedal statement anyway in the way we explore it, and that's up for grabs. But it was a really fun analysis that told me a story I've never heard with Bible characters I know very well. And that was a way that I thought it explored it well, and that would be how I would personally feel the most comfortable exploring a biblical video game. Like if I had to think of one, it's got to tell me a narrative that has never happened. It can use existing characters. It can use themes, whatever it's got to do to borrow. That's what it'll take for me is an interesting enough narrative that we've never heard before. That doesn't just feel like a VeggieTales retelling of the things I know. And that's not a knock on VeggieTales, but it's just not what I want in a video game. Yeah, it's like almost like the idea of Bible spinoff where certain characters from these narratives are central but in like telling, filling in gaps that may or may not even exist, right? I like Judas is a great example. I loved that you turned me onto that and I loved it. So yeah, that, that would be another way to do it. But like, yeah, I, so yeah. Well, I there's so that. much story in the New Testament that we don't often hear. Like, I feel like most people don't know many of the stories of Acts, but they, they know the gospels. But as soon as you get into like Luke part two, that's where things get a little more muddy. Not many people know of some of the stories of like Peter and Paul butting heads. Th those are going to get a little bit more rare, but even still people that are going to be truly interested in a Bible game have probably already read them before. And so I, yeah, I just worry about like, what could we, how could we take those stories and analyze them further or even talk, take Paul's journey and fill in some of the gaps that we don't get, again, with that playful, imaginative, but still respectful spirit. That was what Judas really did that set it above and beyond for me, was that it, 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 even if it was heretical by some of the more fundamentalist style Christians that I know, for, for me and somebody that's willing to play with the imaginative story of the thing, it was incredibly respectful still of my own personal faith journey while allowing me to, to envision possibilities. And that's a tricky line to walk, but I thought it, you know, that's what I'd love to see a, a Bible game do. And one more thought I had while you guys were talking about what would it take? And unfortunately, I think this is a, a huge reality, but it's money. Hmm. Um, oh, I, I think I think the one huge thing that Christian anything take, you know, especially movies, TV shows. I mean, I'm going to set the shows as an exception to that because that is, hmm. you know, has become a phenomenal thing. And I, and I think would almost. Or, or at least right now is going to be considered the gold standard of what Christian media should look like. But I think that I think the thing is, it takes money. I think it's going to take a well-known developer to put something into it, because I think that's one thing where a lot of people's hearts in developing these Bible games, like maybe they're in the right place, but they just don't have the money to push it up to where it should be maybe they don't have the technology to push it to where it's up it's going to be so i think if a bible game is going to be successful it's going to take some cash and it's going to take a developer that can really elevate it to a a very level where it looks amazing it plays amazing and and i think that's going to be one key piece to that as well that it, it's got to have it's got it's got to have a name behind it I think you're right. I don't think that'll ever happen though, because then it gets back to the purpose. Like, what's the purpose? What's the goal of this game? Is it to teach doctrine? If so, who's like, what right. flavor, what brand? And, and, and so that's where we get back to like those developers who have pumped money into biblical themes have made some really awesome games. 
that are around those themes, even with some biblical characters. I look at, I'll actually, it's on my list for later, <laughs> you know? So I think, again, I think the biggest problem with that, with pumping a lot of money into a actual Bible game is who is behind the money and what is the purpose? And generally speaking, those people who are trying to teach hard, fast doctrine are not, you know, they're just, it's always going to be a subpar product. And actually, I might be a little, I'd be a little fearful of a really well done product that pumps out that kind of theology mm. too, if I'm being honest. That's why I'm never sad to see a Left Behind movie tank. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and they have games as well. I've never played any of them. I don't think any of them are hugely successful, but I mean, that's I actually a, that's looked a, a review Uber... on the, I looked at for review for the Left Behind games. Every one of them just got brutalized. <laughs> I mean, oh. well, it's an uber successful franchise, right? And yeah. so they definitely yeah. do have the money behind the franchise to create more games, whether they're high quality or not is up for grabs, but right. they are able to at least produce and they have produced plenty. So that's something that is, is an interesting consideration of like, that's a doctrine that I'm not comfortable with to say the least. And so that, that makes a difference of like, okay, well the people that are in the video game space that aren't Christian are experiencing. This is what a Christian video game is, is teaching this kind of doctrine, this flavor of standard. And it, it, it creates a, a sour taste in the mouth. I'm sure I'm intrigued if you haven't played it yet, I'm going to recommend it to both of you. But I, what, what I almost really want and describes really well what both of you are, are describing is Pentiment. I'm, I'm currently neck deep in mm. Pentiment. I'm loving it, enjoying the experience, just absolutely having a blast with it. But what it's doing really well is it is this miraculous moment in, in history where Josh Sawyer, who is a, you know, infamous, illustrious, huge careered narrative writer for video games, wrote Fallout New Vegas, worked for Obsidian, has, has been incredibly involved in all these things. And so there's this moment in time where this has been his baby that he's wanted to produce for his entire career. He has a background in theology, has a background in history. He has a, a real rich passion for this kind of thing. And Microsoft buys Obsidian and is like, and then Josh says, hey, I, I have this dream game. I'll do whatever you guys want to do. Can I make one game for Game Pass? And they say, sure, you're this, you're this person. So let's see it. Let's see what happens. And so he gets to have the budget of Microsoft with the assuredness of Game Pass that people are going to play it and they're going to play it for free. And then he has this dream that he's been sitting on for his entire life. And so he approaches it in this humble way, in my opinion, of he has a bibliography. For this thing, a rich bibliography. He doesn't only consider the sources, but the counter sources and the sources of the sources. And he attaches all of it to this historical narrative that is telling a murder mystery set around a around a convent and around this 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 abbey in this fictional German town. And he tells it all in a really like again back to that respect way. He tells it in a way that is respectful to the history while not leaning so much on the history that it's only a history book. So literally like every other line in this game has the underline and it has a dictionary that you can go and read and learn about some of these things. Like they mention Luther in conversation, but it's not going to dredge on the ideas of Luther. He's just there. He's in the background and in the story. And so you get to hear about history without having to be dragged through it. And if you want to go to the dictionary, you can. If you want to read their sources and go to the bibliography, you can. But it's not integral to the story. It's only flavor text that makes it that much deeper of a narrative. 
And so for most people, they're never gonna play this game. This game is a lot of reading. It's a visual novel really with, with point and click elements. It's very, very Sierra-esque. And so if you don't like that kind of game, hey, you're not gonna play it. That's, that's just the reality. You're, you're not gonna play it. Most people that play AAA games, not gonna play this game. But because it's on Game Pass and because it's from an illustrious creator, it's getting experienced by a ton of people. And I feel like it's, it is a, a rich history lesson for me because I'm familiar with a lot of the theological stuff, but I'm not super familiar with some of the church scandal. You know, I, I paid attention in church history, but that's only a semester or two. You know, how much can you really get? Whereas with a game, I'm literally being dragged through the history like a magic school bus tour and getting to experience each of these moments. So I will, I will posit that for both of you to consider playing, but also for anybody listening to this, I think that if you could take the, the pentiment experiment and put it towards a Bible video game, I think it'd be exceptional because I think it tells such a really good story in a such a really interesting time period. But yeah, so what what are our what are our thoughts on other games in this space before we move on to a little bit of the process we have at Checkpoint? What other thoughts do we have? I don't know if this is the the appropriate time, but you know, like we were talking about Bible X, and I would be interested in at least giving that a try at some point. But like the other game that's kind of out there in development right now is is called you know I am Jesus Christ, and I talked about that a little bit before and. The prologue is out right now that you can play and download. And it's, again, it's it's still very early and all of that, but you play as Jesus, right? You play as Jesus. And in theory, that seems like a pretty neat thing, except for it's just not. It's, I can't even go into all of the, the, the reasons why this is just a bad idea but the game itself just doesn't play very well like we're just talking from a technical standpoint it's just not a very good playable game i couldn't even get through the prologue because there's a part at the end where you have to like use your spirit to deflect these i was to deflect like these projectiles and and just the whole thing is immediately based on i wonder i want to know how you're going to play through this game as jesus not killing enemies when they set you up to be able to fight with like spirit. It's very weird. The whole thing is odd. And I just wonder going back to the conversation we're having about if we were going to play a game, like an MMO as a, as a character in the experience, but not one of the characters of the experience, you know, like we're not playing as Jesus or as John the Baptist or, you know, like any of the disciples or anything like that. I, I, I just think making you play as the, as Jesus seems like it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense since we want to be like Jesus, but this is a very specific lens with a very specific theology about who Jesus is, what Jesus is, what the divinity of Jesus looks like. And it all just from that standpoint, I, I said it before we started recording this game. It would make me actively not want to be a Christian if I were not one. Right. And as one, it makes me just want to go, this is a terrible idea. This is a terrible idea because I always end my sermons every week or my, my services with go be Jesus to someone else. But I don't mean literally enfleshed in Jesus's body. That is gross. And it feels disgusting. I would more, much rather Jesus be, you know, be a guiding force in my body rather than me being a zombie in his. And that's what it felt like playing this game. So if those creators hear this, I'm sorry, but it is a very misguided idea. Yeah. And it's, it's tough theologically too. Like 
understanding the mind of Jesus is impossible. And so if we're going to try to like get in the shoes of Jesus, that means we have to know Jesus's thoughts. So like, that's the reason that video game protagonists are brainless, right? They don't need to have a voice. They don't need to have a brain because it's yours. You are their voice. You are their eyes. And it, like literally, like scripturally, right? Ways are not my ways. We we can't possibly understand and comprehend why Jesus did what Jesus did and in what ways and for what reasons and what he was thinking in between the things. And so if we try to fill those shoes, we we can't. We can't fill in the actual like theological thought behind what's happening. And that's so dangerous in and of itself. Like we can imagine the role of a disciple. We can understand some of their thoughts because at least they're human thoughts. But once you start bringing in literally divine thinking, it's just not going to be doable, let alone the the problematic theology. And I, I think I saw one thing that you don't have Holy Spirit powers until you're baptized. And that's such a weird thing because Jesus is divine, right? He didn't <laughs> right. become divine at the baptism. The, well, the dove descending didn't make Jesus Jesus. Jesus was Jesus from the beginning. Then you get into uh, the whole conversation about what are Holy Spirit powers, right? Well, right. that alone, and, right? And honestly, if if I picked one thing, the the thing that set me off on that game from the start was when you had to approach Mary and she was lily white. Mm. And I was like, um, uh, no, <laughs> no, this is, like, come on now. If you're going to make a game set in the Middle East, please use some shading, folks. <laughs> at least, at the very least. And it wasn't just white, but like the facial features were very Anglo, right? You know, very European. And I, and I was like, I, I, could, I couldn't play this game just simply because I. it seems like the mindset and the heart behind the developers is to tell a very specific version of whatever it is they believe. And, and that, there again, you run into that problem with Bible games. Like, what is the purpose of your game? What are you telling and why? And, and, and so I don't think you could make one that's going to work as a great evangelical tool that's going to really connect with, with non-Christians without really making Christians angry, which I'm fine with, but I don't think that anybody who wants to make money is. Right. Well, and that's another thing, you know, you mentioned the the skin tone being problematic. That's something that The Chosen, you know, I, I'm not huge on it necessarily. I've watched a couple episodes here and there, but I'm not as, it's not as viral of a thing in my life as it is in many. But as I understand it, what what really set that show apart, they they didn't take liberties with the area. They, they made sure that people looked like the people that they needed yeah. to look like. They right. did the work, they put in the research, and where they took liberties were with personalities and were with the way that characters were actually presented mentally and in their lines and script writing. And so taking the personalities of characters is very different from whitewashing and, and making characters more interesting, like taking some of the apostles and giving them a little bit more to them to, to take creative liberties. That's different from the literal whitewashing of characters altogether. So, yeah, I think that's something. There's something to it. Yeah. And, I, and I mean, I, I've only watched a few episodes of The Chosen as well, but I think that's one of the things that actually drew me into it was that, you know, just like the Bible, it doesn't have white people. It's a little bit more in tune with what the actual time period looks like. And but I, I think, you know, you mentioned earlier, Nate, how like one of the things about a video game is you want you want to explore the the, the stories and the space in between the characters. Like what what are the things you don't see? And I feel like that's what's kind of cool about the chosen is taking those those personalities in scripture and saying like, okay, what 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 do we know about them in scripture, but what don't we know and how can we fill that in? And I think that kind of makes it fun. 
mm-hmm. is it is such a different take and it, it is filling in those gaps. And I think for a lot of people, especially if you've been, you know, a Christian since you've been in the womb, I think that's the draw of something like this is that it gives a fresh perspective on stories you have heard time and time and time again by filling in those gaps that you don't know. And, and so maybe there is something, you know, to that idea that going back to something we mentioned already, what is your purpose behind a Bible game anyway? Is your purpose behind a Bible game to show Christian values, to show the Bible to non-Christians, or are you just making a game for Christians? Because those are two very different video games and two very different mediums. And and that's where like, well, I, I think The Chosen is successful, but who is The Chosen successful with? I think would be a very interesting question to explore. Is is it is it something that where people who are non-Christians are watching this show and being like, oh, this is actually like halfway decent and there's some really interesting things here? Or is this show a hit with Christians because it's something new? It's something that actually has some pretty decent value to it. And so Christians are watching it. And and so I, I think that gets behind a lot of intent behind why why are you doing this is it money is it to to share jesus with with non-believers is it to bolster christians and i think you know i think that's something else that gets into kind of all that we've been talking about it's a tough question and i think that we've we've explored it well and talked about some of the some of the shortfalls and where maybe they might be able to make ends meet in the middle here and there but I will say as kind of a final point to this first half of the show, the way that we're doing it at Checkpoint and the way that we're addressing video games and the Bible themes is that we're flipping the script. And so if you've taken the time to watch any of our new sermons that we put out every Sunday, rather than allowing games to speak about the Bible, we let the Bible speak through the game. And so we'll talk about the games, we'll talk about anime, we'll talk about shows, we'll talk about movies, and we'll we'll break them to pieces and analyze the themes within them and then say, hey, here's this theme that you love from this video game or this anime or this whatever. And this is the same way that it's being presented in the gospel. This is what we can learn from the gospel. And this is what we can learn from the good news that is also present in your favorite video game. And so we're able to draw out these themes that we already love and connect them with the themes of the Bible. And so we're kind of doing like a reverse exegesis of we're we're not only exegeting scripture, we're not only getting all that we can out of the scripture, but we're also analyzing video games and anime and finding everything that we can out of them and then finding the the kind of common denominator between the two things. And that's how we found the best way is currently, which is kind of what we were talking about a little bit with what would make a good a good Bible video game would be less about the Bible and more about the themes. And I think that's what we've what we've come down to as a conclusion at Checkpoint. And what we're finding is easiest to analyze is, you know, why do we love the game Undertale so much? Why do we love this game so much? It's because it's got themes that are also present in scripture. We're able to relate to it. And hopefully, like we end all of our, our, our sermons, we're able to find something that makes us a better person. We're able to learn. We're able to, to develop in some way to do good, do no harm, and strive to grow together. And that that lines up with our, why are we doing this? What is the actual purpose behind what we're doing and how do we best see that coming to fruition? So any thoughts on that before we go to the second half of the show? Yeah, I I, I honestly love our nerdy sermons and I will I, I will try to share as our, our nerdy sermons every week as much as I can, wherever I can, because I, I have come to value them and believe in them. And it, and the re- there's two reasons that I've actually one big reason I really love them. And in in the sense of what I kind of wanted to just mentioned and the fact of like who's it for? And I feel like our our the, the nerdy sermons you do connect both bridges in the sense that like it takes 
the idea of, especially for Christians to say, this thing that you love, this anime, this movie, this TV show, this video game that you absolutely love and you you have probably had, you know, but you've also probably had the verse thrown at you by a church person that says, you know, put away childish things. And, but but here we are coming alongside and saying to you, like, look, no, this thing that you love has value. This thing that you love has some elements of scriptural truth in them and let's help you discover that and and to all of a sudden help people that maybe aren't looking at things with a little bit of those a little bit of a biblical lens in it and now all of a sudden you have caused that person to pay more attention to that theme right it's like it's like the idea of like right you you buy a red corvette you don't see a red corvette on the road and all of a sudden you're seeing red corvettes everywhere right it's the fact that now your attention is focused on it and so i think for christians that's something that's super cool And that it gives you now something to say like, oh, okay, there are some themes in this that I'm not thinking about. And now you're paying attention to them. I think is cool. But also I feel like our nerdy sermons also in a way are very, very much like helpful to non-Christians. And in an easy way, I think for, for people who are Christians to share them, to be like, oh, hey, you, you play Undertale. Awesome. Hey, let me show you this thing. Come, you know, go check it out and, and to show someone who, you know, who is not a Christian to be like, oh, there's some deeper, some deeper thoughts here to this game. And I love that our nerdy sermons bridge that gap in both ways. Yeah. And that's a great point of it, of it hopefully helping with subsequent video game playing or anime watching that you're able to then draw on those themes. Hector Mirai, who is a guest on the Nerds of Prey, another shout out to, to another one of our podcasts on the Sister Network here. But Hector Mirai, I think I think talks about in that podcast or maybe another one where he's he's a writer of these Faith and Fandoms devotional series. And now he has a notepad with him at all times so that whenever he's watching whatever new show he's got that he just writes down his thoughts and his ideas. And now his kids are calling him out and are like, hey, that's a theme from one of your books. Like this is, you got to write this down because this show is, is talking about one of those things, one of those Jesus things or whatever. Eventually you'll get so used to seeing these things, you'll get used to hearing these ideas that they'll just come up. They'll just always be kind of ever present and you'll discover the instances of the things that we believe and the things that drive us forward in all the things that you love to experience. And they'll make them that much deeper. With that, we are going to go ahead and take a quick break before we get into the second half of our show. Coming up on the other half, we have a top three list. We're going to be talking about the top three games that are not about the Bible, but are totally about the Bible. We'll have our Nerd of the Month, and then that'll be the end of our show. So make sure you stay tuned in for that second half of the show. We'll see you back soon. All right, welcome back to the Level 2 Podcast, and we are glad that you are sticking with us for the second half of the show. This has been a great conversation. I hope that you've enjoyed the conversation on why the Bible makes for a bad game. Be sure to let us know. Do you still agree that the Bible makes for a bad game? Do you think that our ideas for what could make a good game are good ideas? What might be some of your own? I'd love to hear some of your feedback and your thoughts, whether it be in the Twitch chat as you're watching this live with us on Twitch when it airs, or wherever the comment section might be for this particular video or podcast that you're listening to. With that, let's just get right into the top three list. Let's go through what are the top three games, not about the Bible, but totally about the Bible. We kind of mentioned it at the at the latter half of the last half of the show where a lot of games draw on these themes that we pick up on for our nerdy sermons. And so there are some games that are better at it than others, but for the most part, Everything that we've analyzed so far has had some kind of tie and connection, but I'd love to hear what are your thoughts to our two level two guests today 
Uh, but what do you think are the are, are three games that really are exemplary in this way that they may never even mention the word Bible or the or the name Jesus, but they're totally stories about the Bible that, that bring up the same themes and, and evoke the same emotions. So we'll go in reverse order. So we'll start with Sneaky, reverse of the introductions. Sneaky, what, what were your top three games, not about the Bible, but totally about the Bible? All right. So a couple that came to mind, Bioshock Infinite more for its its anti-religious statement you know and out of all the bioshocks i don't know why i really this being the third one out of the series i love this one mostly because it takes the idea of what happens when you know religious zealotry takes over and it embeds this idea of, of racism and, and and elitism in the game but you play as booker dewitt and and you get put into this world of columbia and the whole story just centered around this whole idea of, of of rescuing this character Elizabeth from this world that she is in, and you know, talking about sacrifice and forgiveness, and, and it has all these great themes embedded. But I the the idea of exploring religious zealotry and like just what happens when somebody takes religion to an extreme level, I always think is is so fascinating, and how they put that world together. Well, and it should um, be noted, right, that Ken Levine's like next game is called Judas. And yeah. that's pretty wild. <laughs> like yeah. we know this is somebody that likes to tackle religious themes. And uh, then the next game is called Judas. I'm I'm super curious. I'm not I'm I'm fine with Bioshock. I think they are landmarks, hallmarks, milestone, but not my kind of game. But I'll definitely watch the heck out of that let's play and experience it for what it's worth. But I think that's interesting. Like what 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 deeper themes are we gonna get? You may have another another one taking your top three list here with Judas potentially. Yeah, possibly. So another one I absolutely love is called The Last Campfire. Uh, it was put out by Hello Games, the people who did No Man's mm -hmm. Sky, as just kind of a side project. And it's adorable as all get out. But you play as a character called Ember who gets lost and separated in this land of lost souls. And, and, and it's a puzzle game. It's a very short puzzle game, too. I mean, you can complete it pretty fast. But throughout the story, you are you are helping other lost souls find their way. And so in the background of this game is just, it, it's so filled with this idea of just compassion and just helping people in need. But oh, the overall arching theme of the game is grief. And how, how do you work through grief? And so it, it it's a game that by the time you get to the end, it, it's, it's, it's a very satisfying ending. You get all the warm fuzzies out of it. But along the way, you do get this really interesting sense of satisfaction of helping people as you go through it. All right. And then my last game is It Takes Two, which I know, I know Shane has played, but the reason I love this game, my kids and I played this, we played it together. There were some, shall we say moments of frustration when you play with children, which Shane has experienced in Twitch streaming with his kids on this game. But I, 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 I know this game, one game of the year, didn't it? last year mm -hmm. or two years ago and i was not sure what to expect out of this game and but oh my goodness what a blast the level designs the gameplay everything was phenomenal but i loved the i love it's not probably not maybe the best message but i love the message overall and that here's a couple who is seeking to get a divorce because their marriage has fallen apart and you use the game to kind of remind them how to work together and so by the end of the game, spoiler alert, you know, they're back together and, you know, things move on a positive note. But I really like that. And, and the thing that stood out to me was a good message in the sense of actually the hard work it takes for marriages to be successful. 
it, it's really easy to get kind of lazy in marriage and let things go off the rails. It's much harder to to do the things that you need to do. And, and so looking at like what scripture says about marriage and you know the what 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 is said to wives and what it says to husbands and it just not not that it was probably directly taken from that, but I could see elements of that being in that story and and thought that was pretty super cool. Awesome. Well Shane, what's your yeah. top three here? So actually four because I couldn't I but I'll I'll say three and I have a but with a bonus. So like this is a cheat, the Dark series. Like the whole series of Dark Siders is it's again one of those stories that is similar to Judas in that it takes these central characters of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, mm-hmm. you know, from Revelation, and it tells these other stories about them. And in each game, you get to play one of the one of the horsemen with a completely different story and it all ties in it. I love those games. The, they're so fun just from a gameplay perspective, but then the stories are good too. They're not, they're fun games. So Darksiders, I'd say that was, pro- that's probably my top one Darksiders series. I love it. And then Mass Effect 2, Mass okay. Effect 2 in how specifically that one, but really the whole series does this, but that one specifically with the elusive man and like this quest for knowledge, right? Kind of the tower of Babel theme right? How high can humans go is and how high is too high. So I think it, again, there's no, there's no direct references to scripture, but like that theme is a, like that theme is present and it's a big, it's a big driving force in that game. Obviously another kind of cheat because it's a little more obvious if you play the whole thing, but like the whole Assassin's Creed series, right? Mm. Is enveloped in this creator creation adam and eve kind of like retelling of what how that might have happened and you really like to get that whole arc which is super confusing anyway because they don't (laughs) i mean it's notoriously confusing but if you ever like watch one of those videos the assassin's creed like story from beginning like if you ever watch it to try and get any understanding it's i mean that's a biblical reimagining right and then my my extra fourth one is red dead redemption 2 for how it deals with kind of the theme of original sin, like the sin of the father, like what is passed down through, like, I love the fact that it came second to the first game because it tells, I love when they give you something that tells you why so much happened that you already experienced. Right. And, and red dead two was awesome. It was just such a good game and it, in dealing with that stuff. So those were mine. Assassin's Creed would have been my bonus. I, and I actually didn't put it on my list because I felt it was too obvious. And so I was trying to find something a little bit deeper. Yeah, but I mean, but yeah, no, I, huge, I, right? I went right there. Well, my three picks all went very heavy on the like Jesus allegory. And my first, my first pick honestly could be my last pick. It could be my second and my third, but after playing it, I just can't think of anything other than it. And it's one shot pretty obviously for me. You guys know that I love my indie games. You know that I love my, my heavy narratives. And I also love my meta games that play with your games on your computer and your stuff like that. So one shot you play as this character named Nico, who's this little cat guy. And his role is to replace the light bulb at the top of the lighthouse because the light's gone out in the kingdom. And so he is the Messiah of the region, literally bearing the light to replace the light 
for all of the people so that they can continue to live. And I'm not going to give any spoilers except to say that, uh, you know, there's just a lot of allegory there and a lot of sacrifice and a lot of symbolism and in the name Messiah and in who we are as this character that is literally called God, there's there's a lot of good stuff in there. So if you've never played one shot, we do have a full let's play of it at Checkpoint. But I would also recommend that you play it for yourself to fully experience all the meta moments in that incredible game. Second one would be Tilu. The Last of Us is just an incredible story. Again, another one that's pretty good, pretty good parallel of you've got this character who has the cure and they've got to go on a journey across the world. And then at the very end, really make the tough decision about whether to sacrifice or not. And so these are all the tough questions that get addressed in these games and in these stories that we tell. And again, another one, Final Fantasy X. Another character about a Messiah-like figure. Yes, I don't know why, how journey. did not... How did that not get on my list? Right. Oh, I thought for sure you were going to put that on your list. I, I thought so, I would. I would have bet money uh, that was going to be on your list. Yep. Yeah, I had a I, feeling I, we we're going to have an overlap. I was pretty sure we were going to have an overlap with that one. I so I'm glad that I got to name it and claim it. Yeah. Oh, good Final Fantasy you. 10, definitely a story. Another Messiah-like figure who has to go on this epic journey across across space and time to to defeat sin. Literally, what a what a what a testament. So, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty heavy-handed with all three of my picks here. But yeah, definitely these three very heavy Jesus allegories that may or may not have ever contained the word Jesus in them. So, there's my three recs and wonderful. Thank you for offering up your recommendations as well. The top three games, totally about the Bible and not about the Bible at the same time. So if you have any that are listening, feel free to let us know what they might be for you. I'll post mine on Backlogged and I would encourage you to check all those links down below and let us know your thoughts on our picks. With that, we're going to close up the show with our Nerd of the Month. So Nerd of the Month is a game that we play every single month here on the Level 2 podcast. It's a Guess Who-esque game, kind of a 20 questions game where we can go back and forth and each of our Level 2 peeps can uh, make a pick as far as ask one question about the character that I'm thinking of and also give a guess. So you get a question and a guess every single round and then it goes to the next person. If you don't want to guess, you can always pass, but I wouldn't recommend wasting a guess and because you, know, you could get it. You never know, but that's up to you. The ball is in your court. And the way that we'll do it to make it a little bit more fair and equitable is I will I will think of a number and you guys can be the closest to that number because why not? We're in, we're, we're grade school rules here. So I'm thinking of a number one through a hundred and we'll see who can get the closest to that number. And I'll have you both type it in the chat. So I can see your chat and you can enter it whenever I say go. And I'll say three, two, one, go. Not yet, but whenever I actually say it. So you got your guess. Three, two, one, go. Okay. My number was 50 dead center. So Mike is the closest here with guessing 36 or as Shane said, seven. So my guess to go first, I'm thinking of a character from some kind of nerdy pop culture media-esque thing. That's as, as many hints as I will give you. You get one question, one guess, and then we'll pass it back and forth. Right. Is it a video game character? It is a video game character, yes. Okay, pass. Is it a human? No. No, not a human. Is it Mega okay. Man? What? How did you get in two? No way. Yes. <laughs> oh, Is it because dude, I was so hesitant? Ah, look at oh, that. Oh, man. Dude, That's crazy. Ah. Big chat's in the clap for that one. Thank That's you. huge. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Second man. question. Holy that might be the, yeah. Is that, that's the fastest so far, right? Oh, by far. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that's might be a awesome. Record somebody gets it in one. Dude. All right. So I feel like I've been vindicated for not picking Final Fantasy X, <laughs> you know, Final Fantasy X. This made now, it all worth it. Th this made it worth it. Yeah. Wow. That was. And it, what's funny is as you were asking your question, as soon as he said video game, I thought it's Mega Man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I didn't even 
That's great. It's awesome. That is well re- that's really wild. I thought it was for sure because you asked if it was a human and I was like, well, no, right? Like <laughs> no, he's a just, robot, but he's so Yeah, humanoid. I mean, that, that kind of solidified that it could be Mega Man when you said yeah. no, kind of like that. So, but I had it, that was my, that was, I was like laser focused. Oh. hilarious well i love that that is that is that is hysterical well thank you both for being on the show we'll have a quick time now for shout outs anything that you're working on projects that you've got going on or any shout outs for the community whatever it may be i'll go ahead and open that up to y'all so to our winner our winner gets to go first for sure our our unanimous winner insane go ahead what do you got stain yeah so like i mentioned earlier i'm in the process of planning a, a digital church for the east ohio conference and hopefully that website will be up soon. But until then, you can just go to my blog at stainedglassrebel.com, all spelled like it sounds, <laughs> and just check out the the blogs and video sermons and all that stuff I put out. I'm on like literally all the socials, usually under stained glass with a Z. And uh, yeah, so you can just check me out there. And if you want the one that's the most unfiltered, go to TikTok. That's probably my <laughs> most unfiltered place. Love it. All right, Sneaky, what you got? All right. No projects on my end. But if you want to follow up on me, you can look for my name, Michael Cunningham, on Facebook. I'm on there a little bit. You can find me on Twitter at SneakyPig633. That's kind of, I would say actually, that's actually where I'm probably the most active in kind of sharing stuff. Mostly I'm just there to watch Twitter burn down and it's fun. So, but yeah, that's about it. I also want to say hi to all of our other level two peeps out there. Yes, yes. If you want to know more about level two or the things that we're doing there, you can ask anybody in level two on the sidebar in Discord. They'll be able to happily answer the question. Or you can ask me, Nerd Pastor Nate. I'll happily tell you anything about it. But basically, it's just a mindset shift from being served by Checkpoint to wanting to serve alongside Checkpoint. No expectations, no requirements. You do not have to do anything. Um, other than let me know that you want to be level two and it'll open up a lot of possibility for you. I kind of see it as like the opportunity box. You're just literally just saying, yes, I would like to know more about the ways that I can serve checkpoint rather than saying, hey, I'm ready to serve. I just want to be a part of what you guys are doing. So if that describes you, then go ahead and fill out the form and you can join level two today. And we would love to have you and we'd be excited to welcome you into the fold. And you could potentially be appearing on a future episode of this podcast. Who knows, right? I mean, that's a that's a very viable future for you here. So with that, we are going to wrap up this show and wrap up this time together with our classic sign off. And I do hope that all of you will consider checking out more episodes of the Level 2 Podcast. This is episode four. We're continuing to work out some of the bumps and figure out the things as they are. We have a full 12 episode season already planned for you. So this this this, this podcast will be around for a while so you can expect it to continue happening. Nerds of Prey happening every other week of the month with it. So more episodes of that coming up as well. we got a lot of stuff going on at Checkpoint and a lot of fun stuff going on here. So continue checking out that. But with that, we're going to wrap up the show. God loves you. We love you. You matter. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Level 2 Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show and will consider giving us a five-star review in your favorite podcast app and letting us know what you think. Goodbye.